You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to the Spotlight Series, an in-depth look at those making a difference in the arts and beyond. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and in this first season, I'll be putting the spotlight on a wonderful nonprofit organization called Only Make-Believe. For more than 20 years, they have brought interactive theater into children's hospitals, special education schools, and care facilities with the goal of inspiring joy and imagination in those who have medically fragile conditions and developmental disabilities. I feel like if I was a kid, I, I never would have attempted to try to get up and do that. But, you know, it's so amazing when you see them do it. It's really like really a beautiful thing. For our third episode, we will hear from multi-talented actor and voiceover artist David Shee, who has been an actor and member of the Only Make-Believe family since 2007. He was most recently on Broadway with the amazing play Life of Pi, a visually stunning piece that was gone way too soon, in my humble opinion. David has also performed off-Broadway in shows like K-Pop, Awake and Sing, and Somebody's Daughter. We'll also dive into his use of imagination, whether bringing characters to life with just his voice or in the shows he's done with Only Make Believe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome, David. It is so good to talk to you. Good to see you again. It's been a couple of years, but uh, so thankful that you're here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be here, and it's great to see you again, too. Well, you know, one of the great things about performing arts is that we all come at it from different backgrounds, different motivations. What was your initial motivation to become a performer? Well, you know, uh, the semi-long story is that uh, when I was in high school, getting ready to apply to college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. It really was truly clueless. And then I started to think about, well, what is it that I like to do? What, it is, what is it that I normally do on, you know, uh, on a regular basis? And I realized I was involved in the performing arts a lot. So, you know, and that was, uh, a lot of that was singing in the choir, the, the various different choirs. Uh, I, I was in the plays. Um, I played in the orchestra for a little bit. So, very broadly, I was interested in the performing arts. And I was thinking about acting, though I was willing to do something more sort of back, quote unquote, backstage. Again, I didn't even really know what all the jobs were back then. Um, so, you know, I, I think I had generically thought, I, I, I want to study theater in college. 
And of course, having uh, good Asian parents, I was uh, not allowed to do that. <laughs> and so I ended up getting um, going to college for engineering at first, and that didn't work out. And then through some various uh, major changes, I ended up with a degree in advertising. So I actually originally came to New York to work in advertising. And then I did that for a few years and then started getting interested in filmmaking. So I started taking film classes. While I was doing that, I would take acting classes sort of for fun, but I think in service of, I thought, all right, it, it'll help me be a better director, but you know, I could have really just been entertaining my muse. And then eventually I just started taking more and more acting classes. And so I semi-jokingly say I became an actor to procrastinate becoming a filmmaker, uh, <laughs> which is semi-true. <laughs> but uh, And so, yeah, and so I just kind of committed to acting uh, full-time, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Well, I mean, they do all kind of feed into each other because it's like the, the work that I've done in commercials, for example. That was a big help once I transitioned into more TV film work because even though commercials are 30 seconds, the same setup and the same kind of jargon and pace of things, you know, so it all kind of helps you. And then the work that I've done in theater, even though we're so big and they like to bring us down in those TV auditions, yeah, it still factors into the kind of work and the kind of characters that we portray on TV film as well. I, I assume that you have been able to bridge the gap between television, film, as well as theater. Yeah, uh, definitely. As an actor, I've done uh, all of the above and others as well, including, you know, some voiceover, some uh, live, uh, you know, corporate theater, that kind of stuff, or even like uh, I've done some print, you know, so, you know, especially when you're starting out and, and you haven't really sort of focused in on or figured out sort of where your sweet spot is, you, you try to do as much as you can. And at least that was my approach is do everything you can and, mm. and you know, or anything they'll let you do. So when you moved to New York, you say you were at first in advertising. Is that what the kind of jobs you were applying for moving here? Yeah. Well, I actually had gotten the job while I was still in college. and Even better, um, I, yeah. Yeah. I think when I finally ended up getting into advertising, it seemed like a, sort of a happy medium between something that was quote unquote artistic and something that was sort of more uh, business. And so it, at, at the time it was a, a really good fit, but I think that... Um, you know, after doing it a few years, it, it, I think my quote-unquote true calling, if you call it that, kind of started to emerge. And, and then I think even like originally, I think I was still, I don't know, I, I think I did internalize that at first, that acting was really not an okay profession or career to, to pursue. So I think, you know, I, I think I resisted really committing to that at first and uh I was think that from your parents probably mostly yeah i mean i think parents and society you know i think it's just you know not you know even like uh i feel like even now when i meet people i tell them i'm an actor you know just it, like, it oh, can well, mean what's... so many things to different people yes right and i've actually had some one person's like their instant response was oh so you're a waiter then you know, or, or they'll say, oh, well, what's, what's your real job? It's like, it's mm. so unbelievable, I think, that for for a lot of people that someone could actually even just be like a, you know, regular middle class working actor. It's, it's you know, you're either like a movie star or you're, you know. Or you're waiting really tables. Not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, right, right. Now, generally speaking, though, 
in what ways did did theater speak to you? You said it was kind of always in the back of your head, even as you were doing other jobs. What was it that kept you coming back to it? Sure. You know, that's an interesting question. And I feel like the way I've thought about it has evolved over time. You know, I think originally I thought what appealed to me was like, I think my life in general is actually really boring and, you know, not, not that interesting. And so I think that originally I really thought that it was a way to, you know, live other li- lives and be other people and, and, you know, to, to live a, a more, a fuller life than what I have, you know, on a regular basis, which I think that is still true. But, you know, it's funny. I, I remember hearing a casting director talk about this and, sh- and she said something that really clicked with me and I'm completely paraphrasing, but I think she made this suggestion that uh, actors become actors uh, because they want people to uh, to get us in a way and, and to see us. And so, you know, that really, I don't know, somehow that really resonated with me. And I've started to realize like every time I work on a role that there, there is, it's less about me trying to be someone else. And it's really about me trying to find, you know, who I am in the role. And so in a way it is, you know, it's, and, and weirdly, I feel like there, there is a lot of, have been like these weird parallels between the characters I've gotten to play and things in my real life. And so in some way, I feel like it is the appeal I think has turned into being seen and understood and, uh, you know, cause I think, I think also growing up, I didn't have people that looked like me on TV or in the movies or on stage. And so, you know, it's, it was always a disconnect of like what you see, um, in terms of like performers and, you know, really thinking like, oh, that, that could be me or, or, or those lives could be, uh, you know, someone like me in those situations. So that was a really long winded answer to, no, to, no, uh, totally to your fine. question, but yeah, but I feel like it, you know, I think, I, I think that my, you know, my interest in, in, in the profession has definitely evolved and, and I think become bigger than what I, I thought it was originally. Yeah, because speaking to that, I would assume over the years, you have found yourself being able to portray more characters than just the Asian guy on the left, right? Yes, absolutely. And even, you know, it's funny, I remember early on, I, I think I was sort of, uh, I hate to use the word victim, but in a way, a victim of that mentality where I just assumed that I would only get to play certain roles, you know, a, a, a doctor or you know, a waiter in a, in a Chinese restaurant or, and, and that the majority of roles would be foreigners where I would have to do some type of accent. In fact, I've actually, I've learned the hard way where I've gone into an audition, assuming that I had to do some sort of, you know, Asian accent and I would do it in the audition, not get the job. And then I would see, I remember more than once I've seen like movies or TV shows. And there's another actor who got the job and they're just using their, you know, normal like speaking voice and did not put, and I, it just made me realize, Oh, I'm, you know, I, I put myself in this little box and have, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of limiting beliefs about myself. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I've tried to change, you know, change, change that, that uh, point of view since then, but it's, it's still there a little bit somehow, I think. And what was it that led you to only make believe? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I, at the time, I think I had a friend who was working with the company 
not as a performer, but uh, in the admin, uh, admin, one of the administrative departments. And we have, I knew her as an actor from one of my technically first professional jobs. And we said, sort of stayed in touch and met for a drink one, one afternoon. And I don't even know how it came up. She just brought up this company that I knew nothing about. And she said, like, they're hiring actors. Would you be interested? And again, you know, I'm like, I'm willing to do anything at this point. <laughs> right. And so I said, sure. And um, I had an audition and it seemed to go well. And, uh, and I, you know, it's funny. It actually took me a year to get hired because I think there was interest, but I had booked a job. <laughs> so I wasn't available. And it, I think, uh, and, and then I actually, I thought that was the end of it. Like they had hired someone else, but then you know, months and months later, they contacted me and, get, and said like, hey, are you still interested? And and I said, yeah. And so, that, you know, that was back in, I think like 2006, 2007. So it was, yeah, it was uh, a long time coming. And and you had been performing and acting before then in, in other roles and theater and TV film on screen. How is the only make-believe audition, how was it different from those other auditions? Well, you know, it it actually wasn't all that different in that a lot of my early career acting was in children's theater. So, oh, okay. I, so I, you know, I would have said, I would have said, like, oh, it's just like a different, you know, it's like you're you're playing pirates and you're playing, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 the moon or you know, like I think I think those might have been actually like two of my actually the pirate wasn't, but you know, it's like. I'm trying to remember what the auditions were, even were, but you know, you're playing more of these uh, 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 fantastical characters as opposed to you know the kind of stuff you might see on Law and Order, let's say. But because I did start off in children's theater, it was it was like a lot of a lot of the uh, you know same kinds of things. I again, I, I think like the auditions were like a couple scenes from uh, uh, shows that are in their roster, and. Uh, and again, that was so long ago. I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what those roles were. But, but you <laughs> well, know, yeah, I, I mean, it, well, also, I mean, OMB has so many different shows, and they've they've added new ones and taken some out, and and gone virtual as well as in person. So, yeah, they've really morphed and changed over the years. Yeah, definitely. I think when I started out, there was probably only maybe, at least that I was taught about, like half a dozen shows. Uh, but then over the years, they've they've added more and developed more, and uh, it's and, and, and I you know I've really been impressed with how they've kind of kept trying to keep the material fresh and and even old scripts they tried to make a little bit more up to date and uh, you know uh, you know with especially like music there's a lot of music is incorporated in the show and and you know music changes so fast that I, I remember there was one year we were looking at our playlist and we were still doing like songs from I don't know the early 2000s and someone's like we gotta i mean you we know, gotta update kids. this <laughs> yeah it's like they're not old people like us it's like your kids like they, you know they're, they're they're constantly coming into like new fresher you know sounds and so we need um yeah we need to update that but yeah they've done a really good job i feel like of of trying to like stay relevant with kids and and up you know updated shows and a big part of those shows is the improv element that that unknown, unexpected, anything could happen. Uh, how did you, how did you do with the improv? Well, I have to say, I do not think of myself as a particularly, particularly talented improv person. 
And so that was definitely one of my, I feel like, biggest challenges going into it. But it's one of those things like what I literally, it's, you know, that whole say yes, you know, and, and it's funny. I think I'm the kind of person who's not used to saying yes, just in general in my life. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, once you sort of like just figure out, yeah, it's really like whatever they give you, you go with it. And, um, and that's where you are and where you are is where you are. You don't have to, you don't have to take it in any other direction that you think it's supposed to be. I think that really helped me a lot, you know, with, with own OMB shows, but I think a little bit more just in my life in general. So I, I, I feel like I, even though I still think, think of myself as a, a, a an amazing improvisational actor, I, I feel like I'm better now as a result of getting a chance to do it with, uh, uh, with OMB. Yeah. And, and I would say, and I'm sure you can speak to your experience, but in the shows that have been more interactive, those that have had an audience where I'm maybe out in the audience and yes, there's a script, but there's also a little playback. And if an audience says something, then you respond or, or those kind of things that has greatly helped me when I've been on a fully scripted show of just bringing a bit more life and energy to it. I would assume that OMB has then kind of opened you up a bit more, even on your more scripted shows. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I, I think that's something that I still am constantly reminding myself is that, you know, you don't have to know exactly how something's going to supposed to go. It's like, you just, you, you know, you, you prepare and, and you're going to go down this road, but sometimes you you're gonna take a little deviations and it's still a nice trip, but you, you know, it's just not exactly what you expected. And sometimes that's where I feel like that's where the really great performances come from it's like these unexpected things that that you know you, you didn't plan for but but they just kind of happen with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So many of the kids in the audience, their special needs and they have whether abilities or disabilities and things. How is it that Only Make Believe is able to connect with such a diverse set of, of conditions and illnesses with all the kids that it serves? That's really interesting because I feel like that's something that has really evolved over time because when I started with them, I think we weren't in as many different types of facilities. And, um, and I think, uh, during my time there, we started to branch out and go, go to more special needs, 
uh, places that weren't just you know traditional hospitals or or, or the typical uh, uh, sites that we would go to. And I think over time they would bring in uh, specialists to to, to kind of do like little seminars with us in terms of like what is the best way to handle, let's say people with you know physical needs, uh, whether it whether it's something like a wheelchair or uh, you know other uh, assistive devices to to help them move because we do a lot you know a lot of our shows are interactive, and so for example there was a sh- there's a part of a show where uh, we would bring up the kids and they they. They'd walk a tightrope, you know, which is, you know, the reality is they're just walking across the floor. Right. But they totally buy into it. And I remember, I remember early on, there was a a lot of times we'd be in sites where, um, you know, maybe someone who, who didn't walk in the same way that other kids or, or, you know, used a chair, let's say maybe didn't feel like they could do it. But I think, you know, we, you know, we kind of encourage like, yeah, whatever, you know, even like someone in a wheelchair, it's like, we would just push them through and they get to hold their arms out and pretend like they're you know, balancing on the rope or, you know, if someone uh, is on, on crutches or a walker or something else, we, it's like, we just let them take however long they need to take. And it, they don't have to walk the same way as everyone else. And it's so funny because like they, you know, when, when we buy into it and, you know, pretend like it's actually happening, they're walking into a tightrope, they, you know, they totally are in that world too. And it's, it's, it's just really amazing to see sort of like that. Someone who you would just not think would even, I feel like if I was a kid, I, I never would have attempted to try to get up and do that. But, you know, it's so amazing <laughs> when you see them do it. It's really like really a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm thinking about myself as a kid. I, I'm that typical actor who's more of an introvert in real life, but yet on stage, you know, I'll kind of do anything and everything. But yeah, the 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 thought of the theater that I'm watching coming to me and I have to do something would would <laughs> kind of scare I'm me like off an, as a child. I'm like that. No, if I go see a show <laughs> and there's audience participation, I'm like, no, don't don't even look at it. <laughs> Well, you know, for many actors, making it in this business, you know, whether we're TV or theater or, you know, there's different ways, there's different things, goals that we have. And because OMB does something that's so special, so unique, how does it factor into the different goals or dreams that you had about your own self as an actor and what you want to achieve? Yeah. Um, You know, I I have to say, originally... I got into acting, I think, purely for uh, selfish reasons, right? <laughs> you know, it's like I want to perform, I want to be seen, um, and I think over time I've started to really think about, um, you know, why am I doing this, and what do I want to get out of this? And definitely, there is, and and I think that is a, a long, complicated answer, which I may or may not give you the full answer, but. Um, but at the very least, I'll say this: I I do feel like I have a desire to use my powers of acting for good, <laughs> and 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 I think that I think that for myself personally ha- uh, uh, has expressed itself in two ways. And so one is definitely I feel like o- OMB has been the the perfect venue for that. It's like I feel like I can use you know my skills as an actor to actually uh, bring you know healing or some joy to uh, kids who are, you know, struggling with that. And so I think that, you know, that has been so much more fulfilling than it's, it's all about me. It's, you know, it's, it's more like, okay, well, what can, 
and I still get a lot out. Don't get me wrong. I get a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction from that. So, you know, it's still, it's still for me in a way, but the fact that I could use that and, um, you know, for others and in service of others. And, uh, I think is, um, you know, has really meant a lot to me. And I think it has sort of elevated my, you know, in terms of my reason for acting, I feel like it's, it's really stepped that up. Well, I mean, we say so many times as actors that the audience is a part of the company. They, they are part of the cast. Their responses, you know, whether they're silent, whether they're laughing, you know, whatever it is, that audience on that particular day with that particular energy is a part of the show and changes it somewhat. With OMB, it is even more essential that that audience is invested and involved. And so in, in some ways, I would think that that could only help hone our skills as actors, but also, as you were saying, find a different source of fulfillment in what our acting can do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's absolutely true in terms of thinking of the, you know, in, in, in all theater, thinking of the audience as another cast member. But I think that's especially true with only make believe because we literally bring kids on stage to play a role at, you know, various times. And so they, they're not just metaphorically another cast member in the audience that, you know, they actually do come up and actually play parts or do things where they're, you know, it's totally centered on them. We bring them up, uh, you know, in front of the audience. And that is also like so great to see because, you know, and, and I think it's been most fulfilling where, cause we typically would go to a site once a week for six weeks, you know, there are different programs and, so, and, and uh, uh, different schedules, but the typical, uh, schedule is once a week for six weeks and there have been so many times where on week one or two there's a kid who won't just will not participate in anything just hiding in the corner and i remember there was one site in particular there was a kid who literally pulled a jacket like he was hiding underneath a jacket like literally the entire <laughs> show but i would say like exactly halfway through i feel like it was like the fourth show all of a sudden he was so excited and wanted to participate all the time. And that like, I feel like I totally like, that's the one time I really remembered like, Oh, we really, I mean, you know, there were a lot of instances like that, but that was the one that I really saw. Like there was a just night and day, the transformation of someone from told literally in their shell. Yeah. Did not want to be seen or heard nothing. Wanted to exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was just so, Yeah, like it, you know, I just like I remember that moment. I was like, oh yeah, this this is why this is why I want to do this. It's like I can I feel like there's a tangible, you know, I made a di- I hope I made a difference in someone's life, if not for you know, just a few weeks, maybe you know, longer in their life. Well, the, and and that's as you say, that's an essential part of the OMB program to not just show up once, have a fun day, and leave. You really get to the kids get to see you, you get to see them. They start to become, you know, you become familiar with each other. And so, I would imagine that, as you said, there's many examples of kids that were standoffish, but by week four, five, six, they are up there joining in everything. Yes, for sure. And what's great is I think that, you know, we'll, we'll return to a site, uh, you know, unfortunately it's not as often as, as we would like, but I, I would say typically we might get to a site like twice a year. So six weeks for, you know, and then six months later, roughly we'll come back again. But then it's amazing what, if the same kids happen to be there, they're like, they remember us and they you know, scream out my name. And it's like, you know, it's, it's just, it's nice to have like fans in a way that you know, will remember you. <laughs> 
Well, certainly one of the main focuses of Only Make Believe, uh, these shows are all about imagination, bringing kids into the world, you know, a, a different room than the hospital that they're living in. And for you, imagination has also played a big role in your voiceover, your audiobook career. What is that process like of bringing stories to life with just your voice? Without, you know, OMB, we have costumes, we have all the thing, all the accoutrement, but with it's just a voice, how do you bring an entire character into that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is the, the regular acting stuff. You know, you, you try to identify who the character is and what they want and what they're trying to get from, you know, the other people in the scene. Um, with, uh, if I'm doing an audiobook, let's say, uh, a lot of times I'm lucky where they will have really vivid character descriptions or even descriptions of how they talk or what their voice sounds like. So sometimes I'm, you know, just going off of that. But a lot of times they don't. And then, you know, I have to, uh, you know, create that on my own. And I think that, um, you know, that's such a complicated <laughs> answer. Well, but, I'm sure a lot goes into it. Yeah. A lot of research. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's research. And also it's just like, you know, in terms of like when you're trying to like, uh, you know, what, what does the scene call for? So, you know, if it's, if there's like a, a, a mean guy who's picking on someone, you know, of course I'll make his voice a little bit more, you know, kind of like a jerk. And then, you know, someone who's like the nice guy, I'll have, you know, pitch him up a little bit higher. So, but, you know, I feel like it's just kind of like creating, uh, we're not necessarily stock characters, but in some ways I feel like, you know, there's certain, uh, audible cues that you can help tell, tell the story. Uh, and again, you know, if it's, if it's good writing, sometimes you don't have to do too much and you, you can just let the, you know, with the book itself, yeah. I'll tell the story. I've certainly had my, my fair share of bad copy. And it's like, it, it's like someone wrote it to be read, you know, you know, as, as far as visually, but not to be spoken out loud. And that's, it's a big difference. It really is. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I assume that with the OMB shows that there is a lot of rehearsal as far as like once it's said out loud and how that changes the script and, and changes kind of the, the direction that you go. Well, um, I think that uh, there's a lot of freedom in terms of, you know, I think there's, there are ideas in terms of what a character is supposed to be, be like, but I think there, there has always been a lot of freedom in terms of how actors want to, you know, do those characters. And so, you know, there like there's uh, one of my favorite characters is this uh, genie uh, in a show called Hocus Pocus. And, uh, you know, and, and I feel like everyone who plays that role does it a different way. I don't know why I almost make, make him sort of like, I don't think I was trying to make him Russian, but I feel like it kind of, it kind of came, and I don't even know why. There's no explanation. I think it's like, you know, this is my genie voice, and he kind of sounds like this, and that's why. Okay, you know, and and I have no idea why I did that, but I just started doing it like that, and you know, it's uh, <laughs> so you know. Well, Russian my... is so exotic; it's so otherworldly from you know most Americans' experience because most of us haven't been there. But yeah, like you say, your genie or your cowboy is going to be different from someone else's playing the exact same role, and. That is certainly one of the the beautiful things about Only Make Believe, because the kids are going to bring their own selves to these roles that they get to star in, but the actors get to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like when the kids do it, I'm always surprised like what they come with. Like they're so creative, and so they they have like just buy in. It's like you know we're we're pretending to drive in a car, and they're yeah you know, they're like they're there. Yeah, they're actually 
living it out where they're driving in a car. It's not like they're faking it. They're just totally, totally buy into it and just 100% commit to it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences and stories and career with us. It's a, It's been a really great conversation. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. To learn more about Only Make Believe and how you can support them and be a part of their mission to help children, then please visit OnlyMakeBelieve.org for more information. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, and be sure to join me next week with another member of the OMB family here on the Spotlight Series. That is our show. It's time to go. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.